you know, but you and I have talked about this, man. I think the thing that still bugs me the most is the fact that, that so many people are unwilling to acknowledge the unconscious racism that they use to evaluate black quarterbacks. And it's still happening every year. We still dealt with it with Malik Willis this year again. And I, I mean, we talked about it so much last year with Justin Fields. It's, it's over and over and over again. I would hope that by this point, we would at least be able to acknowledge like, oh, I'm not doing this on purpose, but the words I use and the way I describe these players is telling you something and telling me something about the way I'm viewing how they should be capable of playing this position at the next level. And I, just, I wish at least people were able to say, wow, I see that. Maybe I'll do something about it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Gene Therapy. I am Coach Gene Clemens. Thank you for joining me once again. Um, it has been a while um, since I've, I've dropped another podcast. And trust me, um, May will be a really um, heavy, heavy month. Um, um, I've got a lot of good stuff in the tuck for you guys. And, and really looking forward to hitting this back. A lot of things on my mind, but we're coming fresh off of the NFL draft and if you're wondering we are I'm recording this at um 2 30 in the afternoon on Monday May 2nd so we are are a full day and some change out of the last out from the last pick in the um NFL draft and and yet the action has not stopped happening because as as, as all of you probably know if you're following me you're probably pretty heavy in the sports um, the, the undrafted free agent market starts up and it has been a whirlwind for sure um, this time around. But I wanted to talk about the about the draft and, and the phenomena of the draft and who better to talk about draft the draft with and and everything that goes around it than than um, the man, the myth, the legend, Luke Easterling, who is um, the editor for the draft wire. And, and also um, Bucks Wire um, as well. Luke, thank you for joining me. Hey, always uh, always a pleasure, Gene. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm like, We were talking about before we came on, the fingers are starting to get filling back in them. Yeah. You know, um, dropping, dropping so many articles, trying to be timely, but also trying to be right. I think that's the that's the biggest thing. I, I don't know about you, but in in an effort it, this time of year, especially when you've got things happening, you want to be the first on the scene because you know that people are going to consume the first thing they're able to search for, right? But then there's also a part of you that wants to make sure you're writing good stuff and like stuff that has legitimate worth or value. And sometimes that doesn't that doesn't fall neatly into get this out 30 minutes after or 20 minutes after or 15 minutes after. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. So I, I would say that I'm never really the first person to drop a, a review of a pick. But I, I'd like to think that what you're getting from me is is, is some, some legit value, something you can take to the water cooler on a Monday and talk about um, some new guys. What do you think about that whole process? Yeah, it is a, a delicate balance to to try to strike, and I think that you know it also can can change and ebb and flow depending on what type of content you're writing as well. There's some things that you know the 
the timing and the immediacy of it is is the most important thing in in a certain way so you you try to skew towards that way a little bit obviously without sacrificing you know integrity and correctness you're not going to write anything that's that's not accurate that's that's not factual but you lent maybe you maybe you're a little more lean with the text right maybe you don't dive quite as deep into the minutiae because you know that the immediacy is important and there's some you know there's a time and place for that but you know for most things if if you're able to take that extra 5 10 15 minutes or or longer and 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 really provide something cuz you know i mean you know how competitive this market is in terms of there's there's always 50 different versions of the same type of thing to read if you're an NFL fan or a reader especially this time of year right so you know what that effort to try to find a a way to to present it or try to find a, an angle or a, a way to go down the information that is going to be fresh to the reader. It's going to be fresh to the fan and give them a little bit of a different perspective. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's just about who the writer is too. You know, one of the reasons I appreciate you and one of the reasons I love following you is you always tend to have a very unique perspective on things. And I always end up reading your stuff and going, Oh, I didn't think about it that way. And that is so valuable to me because I feel like, there's so many ways of writing content and presenting content that is just dime a dozen these days. And I know there's a lot of great people putting out great stuff and working real hard, but you know, again, one of the things I appreciate most about the, w- the way you do your work is, is I, I, I don't think I've ever read anything with Gene Clemens attached to it where I was like, damn, I read that already. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it's always no. got, it's always got something unique to it. Even when I disagree, you and I have very, very spirited, you know, disagreements from time to time on certain subjects. But like, I think that's a product of, a very valuable thing in, in this industry and really in life in general, when you're able to look at things in a unique way that, that other people might not see, I think that only brings value to that topic and that subject. If you go about it the right way, which you do. No. And I, and I appreciate that. I think, I think that we, it, it's, it's, it's so hard though, because I will admit those times where you see the an, analytics, they're, they're the gift and the curse. Yeah, absolutely. The Cause the, they cause tell you what's working and usually oh my what's working gosh. is the ankle deep stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> like that's the problem is like sometimes when you see the, the, the numbers that your, that, 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 that your article or your, your pod or your, you know, whatever it might be that's, that's media driven that you can look at some numbers from and you see the numbers skyrocket when you did this. Yep. It's so hard not to do that every time. Because when because it, it, it can be disheartening sometimes when you really put like some heart and soul into something and, and, and you put it out there and then all of a sudden it's like, eh, no, no one's really no one's really reading or no one's really yep. engaging with it like you would like you would like to see those numbers be the same. It's like, well, if you love this, you should really love this. Right. But, like, but no, you, I, I can post, I can post <laughs> 75 words on whatever NFT that Tom Brady just minted and it'll, it'll blow up. Oh my right? gosh. It's, it's so gonna, frustrating. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. If I wanted to write a, if I wanted to write a quick little something about what Eli Manning ate for dinner last night, it would the blow engagement up. <laughs> would be ridiculous. And meanwhile, I'm going, what did you learn about the giants today? Like, what did you learn that helped you yep. get better acquainted with what's going on with the people and the entities that are actually involved with the team right now? So, hey, prime example, prime example, all the work I did over the weekend on Bucks Wire, covering the draft picks and doing everything like that. You know what the most read article was? What was that? The, the one about Gronk and Edelman. Oh, I, you know <laughs> what? I should have known. <laughs> I knew I, I should think- have known. 
I should have known Gronk, that Gronk, Gronk making a joke about coming back if they sign right. Edelman, which has nothing to do with it. And we all know that, but Zero. It's, it's fun. So I wrote it up. It took 10 minutes and guess what? Boom. Yep. There it goes. Hella engagement. And, and meanwhile, you were, you're over here being a journalist. Like, right. Right. <laughs> trying to get actual work and like yeah. content that's got some meat on the bone and people are like, nah, right. give me that. Give me those. Give me those McDonald's fries, baby. Absolutely. I'm like, I'm trying to give you these truffle fries with the. I know. I'm the, trying to. I'm trying to give you hand cut, hand cut potatoes from my Absolutely. grandma's garden, and you don't want to. Absolutely, like <laughs> rustic type. Potatoes. Like you can't get these potatoes anywhere but in the deepest meadows of Idaho. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, you're like, nope. <laughs> give me those McDonald's fries. With the with the sugar coating on them, that hey, and that crazy. honestly, man, it's the lesson I've learned in being in this business for so long is that you you have to. I think part of the job is you got to be able to do both of those things, right? You have to be able to do the content that that feeds your soul as a journalist, that makes you feel like, hey, I'm I'm putting something out there, I'm I'm investing something in this community because there are so many people and so many readers out there who really do love that deep stuff and really right. do dive into that, and I think that's the way you endear yourself to a community of readers is when they know they're going to get that type of content for you. But the, the thing is though, is the other stuff is what pays the bills. The right. other stuff is what keeps the light on. So you have to be able to be adept at moving between both of those worlds in terms of the content, because one is what set is what gives you the space and gives you the ability to write the other stuff. And you got to be able to do both. Yeah. And, and I think you, you're, you're 100% right. It is a it is a delicate balance. There's there's ways in which you can do it, um, and then you have like content is king, right? So you have to you have to be able to get out enough content to feed the masses, and you have to get it out at a level that they're going to consume, um, because because that's what's necessary. I think what's interesting about that type of content is that when you do it that's the content that makes other people believe they could do the job right mm, that's and, interesting yeah and to a and to a certain extent the idea behind it is that when when people believe they could do the job is when you get all of the engagement right right because they want to give you their opinion on on things and in the way they would have done it. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I will, I will, I will have a tweet and I will send a tweet out. It's not a tweet that's meant to, for, for people to debate on. It's just me telling them how it is. And I will get back so much engagement. Oh, well, they should have done, I would have done this. And I, and, and, and my response is always the same, like, oh, I get it, but that's not what this is. This is just that. Right. And I think that because we've, um, to a to a large extent in the media, have had to microwave things or 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 reduce things down to a a common denominator that makes that makes the the food edible for everybody, it's made more people believe they can make the food, right? And, oh, and so the, the Twitter, the Twitter thing is a whole different beast, man. I saw one, somebody say one time, that's like, you could tweet, man, I love apples. And people be like, oh, so you hate oranges. I see how it is. All I right. see how it is. Absolutely. And it's like, it's like, I didn't say damn thing about oranges. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I just, care about oranges. Really right love apples. Just talking about talking apples. About <laughs> right. Right. But I think that's what happens in the draft and why, while the, why the draft has become so 
like like so so beloved while I've become such an engagement bonanza. I don't know about I don't know about you, but I'm assuming because you have a site called DraftWire that the draft must be a really big hit. Ta-da, right? And so I blame Mel Kuyper. Yes, absolutely. And and everyone should blame and thank Mel Kuyper at the same time, by the way. Not just blame him, but they should thank him. Yep. Because if it wasn't for Mel Kuyper, this space wouldn't exist. The draft wire would not be the draft nope. wire right yeah, now. Yeah, it definitely I don't know what it would look like, but it definitely wouldn't look like this right now in this in this day and age in this time, if not for Mel. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's the that's the that's the interesting part. I think because Mel Kuyper, a guy who came from a background that, that was not really sports related, just decided one day he was going to make himself the expert on guessing, you know, guessing where people might go and looking at the evaluations and making them public to other people. Like he he started something that other people then followed and that became this phenomena the same way that um fantasy sports right has become the phenomena because everybody thinks they could do the job of of choosing the talent right yep and madden madden has contributed as well right you just think you can make trades and and place player a into team b and it's just going to be oh he's an 89 so it's going to be great and like it's just so there's a whole different level to it Absolutely. And so what we have now is we have a world where everybody has an opinion opinion on, you know, the draft and what they would do and how they would go about it because it seems so easy. Oh, well, I saw this person play. So I know that that person can do this and do that. And, 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 and what I always say is, well, if we really looked at the people who are the the so-called foremost experts on this thing, they all suck. Like, they all suck. Look at their percentages. Like, don't look at how many of the um, players went in the first round because that's pretty easy. Like, if I went about it that way, it's pretty easy to predict, like, most of the players that are going to go in the first round. But predicting how many of them will actually be what you said they were going to be exactly that's a whole different story and that's the part no one really talks about because that's obviously it's deeper than the ankle right you know so that's getting knee deep into the water and sometimes when we get knee deep into the water people don't want to go um to that level but the the draft has now set set itself up and i think to a certain extent sold it sold to being that that thing that everybody feels like they can do and so now um they embrace that and they and they welcome it and that's allowed all of the various entities and things that you do and things that i do in this space to um pop up where people are able to voice opinions as if they're facts without ever actually having to answer for the opinion that you find out wasn't actually a fact yeah absolutely and honestly man i think I think one of the things that will always convince people, and by people I mean everybody from you and me to any fan to anybody else who writes or runs a website or wants to get into the actual business of doing that for a living in, in, in the NFL or whatever, is the problem is it's going to be really hard to convince people they can't do it when you see the league's percentages. 
Well, <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. Like, they're all, we we're see all the actual terrible. teams that are just as bad as or good as anyone else. And again, I think what the problem though is that when those things happen, you could just again ankle deep. You could look at it and say, well. You know, NFL teams hit on their picks or their evaluations or whatever just as often as you or I do, or just as often as any anyone who reads or anybody. Like if if we're all going, you know, 40, 60, 50, 50, what's the difference? And I and I think the problem is is that it 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 ignores the immense amount of variables that impact whether or not a player succeeds or fails at the next level because it's so complex. It's so there's so many different things that can go right or wrong. And again, depending on what position you play, there are more of those than others, but you know, quarterbacks in particular, but like, it's just, you could look at that and say, Oh, well I could do that just because NFL teams and certain general managers and certain, you know, franchises don't do very well at it. Like maybe, maybe you could, but in order to, to get there, there's so much about doing that job that, that is not seen on the surface that I think people would have a much better appreciation for how hard it is to actually hit on those picks. If they understood everything that teams try to do to avoid that. And still, even they fail half the time. Well, I think the one point, the one part that we miss about the draft is that's only one part of the GM's job. Oh, absolutely. Like I think that's the part. And if we're being honest, because these, these teams are just, cash registers the the number one job of the gm is not to draft players like that's not even on the top of the list of what that gm is probably doing within the walls of that of that building so when we think about the draft we're only thinking about one small part of that gm's job in the 365 days Mm -hmm. that come around what I what I do think is interesting is that I like I would like to believe that if you gave me a team of 30 plus people and gave me a year to be able to scout and evaluate talent with 30 plus people underneath me, I feel like my percentages would be better than some of these GMs. And that's the part that I think a lot of the informed fans look at these GMs and go, what 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 are you doing with these resources right right like how are you like you're spending millions upon millions of dollars on research on these guys and i can tell you i do not spend millions upon millions of dollars on no no we do not (laughs) emory does a does does one of the most expansive draft emory hunt football game plan um he does one of the most or the most expansive draft guide I've ever seen in my entire life. And he's not spending a million dollars and it's just him along with, you know, us putting in wherever we put in at, you know, but it's mostly him and we're able to, to hit at numbers at levels with players at, 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 or sometimes above what GMs are hitting at. Right. And to me, that goes, well, if you put guys who were really like, like, is it just as simple as you need someone to be in a position where all they think about is draft all year? And is that the reason why you're not hitting the way you should hit? Because your brain is incorporating other things into the decision, except for what the best talent 
is and how that best talent fits on the football field for us. Right. Well, and you know, you know, you know, we've had questions about certain teams and certain ownership groups and how, how, pow- how much power and influence the owners have sometimes over, you know, some teams we've heard stories of teams that, you know, all this scouting and all the weeks and months and months of travel and work they've done. And then they get into the draft room at the end and the owner's like, nah, I just want that guy. And you're like, what, what do you mean? Like we did all this, we did all it. We did our job. We did all this work to present it and, and want to go here and be like, now because like you have a relationship with that guy's dad or because you he went to your alma mater or whatever like you just want that guy because you want that guy that I think that's one of the ways you end up in with problems is when you don't allow those people to do their jobs and and see the fruits of that labor and you just toss it out the window oh absolutely and I, I think that when when stuff like that happens there should be a way for things like that to get out <laughs> yes like there should be a way to say hey listen you know this is i mean people don't hesitate to throw jerry jones under the bus right, right. but like every time we turn around we're hearing a jerry jones story or how someone kept jerry jones from picking this player or that player or this player but then if you start looking at jerry jones history maybe you should let him draft more often. Like <laughs> I was going to say, you can throw Jerry Jones under the bus, but you realize he owns the bus too, right? Yeah, he owns the <laughs> bus. And, and when he starts picking, he tends to do a decent job. Now, I mean, I, th- there was talk that he wanted Johnny Manziel, but, you know. Hey, we not all everybody could be 100%, right? right yeah. <laughs> not everyone could be 100%, but, but it's just interesting. So what, what – if there was one thing that that really bugged you about the draft and the draft process, what would be one thing that you that, that you're just like this? I will never understand it. I don't get it. I would change this because it just makes no sense to me. I mean, part of one of the things that I always hated was the the friggin' Wonderlick score. So the fact that that has kind of not been a, as much, I, I guess they didn't use that as much, or maybe they didn't do them. I don't remember what happened this year, but I was, I, I thought about a year ago, somebody said something about we were moving on from that. We weren't going to use that. I always hated that. Um, you know, but you and I have talked about this, man. I think the thing that still bugs me the most is the fact that, that so many people are unwilling to acknowledge the unconscious racism that they use to evaluate black quarterbacks. And it's still happening Every year, we still dealt with it with Malik Willis this year again. And, I, I mean, we talked about it so much last year with Justin Fields. It's, it's over and over and over again. I would hope that by this point, we would at least be able to acknowledge, like, oh, I'm not doing this on purpose, but the words I use and the way I describe these players is telling you something and telling me something about the way I'm viewing how they should be capable of playing this position at the next level. And I, just, I wish at least people were able to say, wow, I see that. Maybe I'll do something about it. Well, and, and it's interesting that you brought that up. I, I remember a few days ago, Pete Prisco um, right. saying, oh, don't, don't ever put Malik Willis in the same in – say, say Malik Willis in the same breath as Josh Allen. They were, it's two different situations. Josh Allen was out there throwing to bartenders and, 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 and garbage and garbage men. And, and I went – who is Malik Willis throwing to at Liberty? I was say, well, like, no, no offense to the Liberty receivers, but how are they any better they than can, they can take They can take offense. They know where to find me. It's cool. Like, take offense. Take offense, Liberty receivers, and then do – you know what you should do? Go out and perform better. Because right. 
if it wasn't for Malik Willis buying time and, and moving around and making right. things happen, you guys were not getting open, especially when they were playing against more elite level competition. So the sure. thing that really that really bugged me about it is, is is Josh Allen is the comp. Like Josh Allen and what Josh Allen did at Wyoming and who he was at my Wyoming should 100% be the comp for Malik Willis. Strong yep. arm quarterback, athletic, not playing with talent that is sufficient enough. The only difference, really, if we want to be honest about it, is Malik Willis performed a lot better. Yeah, I was like, going to say, Allen, Allen regressed. Better. Allen regressed that last season at Wyoming. He got worse, he got worse. And worse as he was. And, and, and that's amazing to me. That, that people aren't willing to give Malik Willis the grace that they were willing to give Josh Allen. And, and, they, and they use things like, well, you know, he didn't do anything at, at, at Auburn. Oh, well, no, no offense, but they were running an offense. It didn't fit him. He had other guys in front of him. He had five-star prospects in front of him whom were being given the keys because they were five-star prospects. Yep. Like – what is that man supposed to do? He goes to Liberty. Oh, well, Liberty is a, a quarterback-friendly offense. Well, what offense is what a quarterback-friendly offense? If you don't have a quarterback-friendly offense, your offense You have a sucks. terrible offense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if you just looked at all of the ways that they were – they were things that they were doing in order to make Malik Willis seem less than, it was – right. It, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to drag us down this hole because you know. I I'm, know, yeah. I don't I even am, know if that's what you were, you were, you were expecting when totally you asked me. I am totally on it. Like, I'm like, I'm on this train all the time, and you know it. Um, right. The way in which they were t saying that Kenny Pickett was the most pro-ready quarterback in the draft when Desmond Ritter was clearly the most pro-ready quarterback in the draft was like ridiculous to me. Like Kenny Pickett had one good season. Like one good season, and all of a sudden he's the most pro-ready quarterback in the draft. Like, are we serious right now? Anyway, my my biggest thing, my biggest issue with the draft is that there is like people keep changing up the the algorithm, for lack of a better word. They keep changing up what is and what is not a a, a, a first round talent. Okay. Like, I, I cannot understand for the life of me this, right? If you're telling me that we've devalued running backs, right? Okay. That running backs are of their most worth when they first come out of college. So those years, that first five years of their career, that's really when you're getting the best out of the running back. Well, then why wouldn't you take them in the first round? Why wouldn't you take them earlier? Because that's when you're getting the maximum, you know, value out of them and then never give them a second contract. Like, why wouldn't you value them higher coming out of college than, than you would? Well, okay, if offensive linemen are so important, if you have to have a, a, a first-round draft pick offensive lineman, then why are you reaching for offensive linemen that should not go in the first round? Because if that's the case, then you are screwing up the algorithm. Like you're screwing up what, what it should be. You're messing up the data. 
Because when I look at these Super Bowl teams and I look down their roster and who's starting that offensive line, either the offensive lineman was a first-round draft pick that's now playing for another team right? or they're not a first-round draft pick. And in many cases, they were a fifth-round draft pick and a sixth-round draft pick and a, and a, and a, and a third-round draft pick. You don't see a lot of first-round draft pick guys being the anchor of, you know, a, a championship level team. Now, I mean, look at look at Dallas. Look at all of the first round talents on their offensive mm-hmm. line, and they have yet to even sniff a Super Bowl. So, if you're telling me offensive line is important, then why did I just watch a guy drag the worst offensive line in football to a to a Super right. Bowl? Right, right. Like, what are we saying? Are you saying that if they get an offensive line, then they're somehow going to be better? Well, what happens when they get a better offensive line and they don't make it to the Super Bowl? Because that's what happened to Kansas City. Kansas City improved yeah. their offensive line, and all of a sudden they went, they went, they didn't get to the Super Bowl. But I thought that was all they needed. So it's like if we're going to just keep changing these things up, well, you need a you need a you need a pass rusher. You have to have an elite level pass rusher. And then I look at the teams and they don't have one elite level pass rusher. They've got a bunch of really good pass rushers. They don't have anybody going for for um they don't have anybody going for 15 and 16 sacks, but they've got four guys that are like at eight and nine sacks. So if that's the case, I can find those guys in the second and third round. What are we right. doing? Like, oh, well, such and such needs an edge rusher. Okay, we're going to take a defensive end. Well, he's not really an edge rusher. He's did, did you see him in college? Did you see what he does? Like, you're going to ask him to do that other thing in, in in the NFL, and now when he doesn't do that other thing, you're going to call him a bust. Like, it's it's the way in which they they employ these needs, and this is what you have to have in order to be successful oh well you need to have a franchise quarterback you know what you have to have gene is you have to have just good football players and as many of them as humanly possible that's as all it many is as possible but but with that the we we, we have these self-fulfilling prophecies right like so if we say the, the running back is devalued well we don't and then we don't take the running backs in the first round and then you get a third you get a Brees hall Going in what the second round? Yeah, top of the second. He went top of the, you know, you get a Brees Hall going into the top of the second, and then you go look. Brees Hall was a second round draft pick. Yeah, but five, six, seven years ago, he would have been a first round draft pick. Right. So, like, what are we really saying? Because you just said we're not going to take them now. All of a sudden, they're not as important. And then he's going to go out and ball, and you're still not going to want to pay him. Nope. When it's all said and done, like I. It, that's the part of the draft that really is maddening. Like, can we just go out and get good football players and not really worry about like all of the other stuff? Like, whether that you sh- oh you should never take a center in the first round. Well, why? But what if he's the best center in the right. game? Right, right. Like, like, what are we talking about? You know what I think? My personal opinion on 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 drafting is. I think that offensive line is the most overrated drafted position in 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 the NFL. Go go look at the track record of top five, top ten 
quote unquote franchise tackle prospects and come back and tell me how many of those guys actually ended up being franchise tackles. Absolutely. Go and look at all of the Hall of Fame tackles and see how many of them played on teams that like were were phenomenal for their for the entirety of their career. Or right. if they maybe caught lightning in a bottle once and, and got there. But I mean if you had if you had to rate Joe Thomas, right? That's what I was gonna. I was gonna bring of, him up. Yeah, yeah. How far away from the top of the list? Like when we're starting at Jonathan Ogden. Yep. Right, and Orlando, we're going to drop down Orlando Pace. Orlando Pace. Like, where? How far down do you get before you get to him? Not, not I can't not say far. three to four not names, far. right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but he never It never equated into success. So was it worth it? Got to have 52, man. You got to have, have 52. 52. Absolutely. Um, the, the, thing about, the thing about the draft, and I want to get into the, the side of how it affects the business because I think that right. that's important to, for people to understand. You, as, as someone who, 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 who is immersed in the draft game because that's a part of your business, where do you where do you go right now? Like once everything is settled, we ha- we now have the draft out the way. Free agents, um, undrafted free agents are are flying in and out of doors. Like, what's the next thing that you do in order to to keep the to keep the the the, the train rolling or to to kind of transition into? All right, now let's start looking at twenty twenty three. Yeah, I mean that's really what it is. Yeah, well right. go look at go look at DraftWire right now and you'll see, you know, grades for next year or grades from this year already and grades, you know, or or prospects for next year. So we got to keep a foot in both of those buckets this time of year and and we'll do the best we can, but that's that's really all it is. It's it's trying to recap what happened, let teams know, "Hey, this is why you should be excited about it. This was kind of weird and disappointing." And all just go ahead and look ahead to next year. And especially with teams, I feel like we had so many teams that didn't have first round picks. We had eight teams that didn't have first round pick this year and a couple more that traded out. Those teams are going to want to know next year. Okay. We finally have a first round pick next year. Who are we going to be able to use it on? And that's why I think people get excited about next year's stuff already. So, so you, so, so there's, so you're seeing big numbers when y'all start talking 2023. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you already doing the whole thing of, Who's the who's the top quarterback? Yep, absolutely. Um, are you as like incensed as I am that people are trying to tell you that that um Tyler Van Dyken is supposed to be a top level quarterback <laughs> out of the out of college? Yeah, year? man, I'm not. I I haven't even. <laughs> at some point, I'm gonna have to dive into that cesspool of of all that and talk about why Spencer Rattler is magically going to be a number one pick again because he went to South Carolina. I don't see it, but man, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's rough in those, those draft Twitter streets out there this yeah. time of year when it man, comes to look, quarterbacks. It's hard out here in these streets. I, <laughs> I, I will tell you the, the thing, one of the things that I find to be just the most ridiculous with going back to quarterbacks, especially, you know, minority quarterbacks. So, Coming out of this season, everyone was saying, hey, you know, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. That's it. Right. Like, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Clearly, that's the class of – but there's going to be others that are really good and blah, blah, blah. And now, all of a sudden, we're starting to hear names, and I'm like, wait a minute. 
Yep. Like, like, but they were not good last year. They were not like, like JT Daniels is going to go to West Virginia and all of a sudden turn himself into a first round draft pick. No, like, no, 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 no. So he Spencer Rattler after looking how he looked in the offense that makes everybody look good. Yeah. So Oklahoma offense. If you want to call an offense quarterback friendly, I right. mean, I don't think it gets friendlier than Oklahoma, right? Go go ask Baker and Kyler and Jalen about it. Yeah, go <laughs> ask all of those guys who have come through. And, I mean, you could go back further than that. Every yeah, single for sure. guy who's come through there has been able to at least make a, a name for themselves off of what they've been able to do um, from that point. So it's interesting to see that happen. I'm going to get you out of here um, on this. Um, if there's one thing that that you would would say to people about the draft that you think they miss, what's something that you think that they miss that you wish they would pay more attention to when it comes to the draft? You know, I I would have probably five or ten of those things, but I think the most th- the most important thing that I, that I would like people to maybe understand a little bit better is the difference between the work that I do and maybe even that you do. I know there's probably some differences there, but like when you look at a media personalities rankings, big board positions, whatever, you have to understand the, the vast, huge difference between what we do and what teams do because <laughs> we we have to look at it in a macro way, in a big picture vacuum, these three or 400 guys, this is kind of what they can do. This is maybe how they would fit here or there, but we kind of do it all the way around. You, you have these media guys that have three, 400 guy boards. By the time the draft rolls around, most teams have maybe 150 guys because they, they have all these, these markers, right? It, it, to play corner in this defense, you need to be this big, this tall, these long arms, and this. Most teams have thresholds like that. So they're going to eliminate half of the guys that you would find on, on a media board because they don't fit. They don't fit the team. It could be character. It could be medical. It could be any of those things. They're just going to take them off the board. They're not interested because they don't fit. And so when you talk about, oh, I can't believe that guy went in the first. I can't believe they took that guy there. It'd be like, it's not, you're comparing it to where you saw it on you know, this board or that board or this website or this website, teams don't do it that way. And so that's why when you like when people like me do the grades, it's, it is kind of silly to me because we're comparing apples and oranges to a, to a large degree because we don't. And again, that's what I think team sites do a little bit better. The really, really good ones do a really good job of telling people like this is why this player would fit really well with this team even though he might be looked at as a third round pick in this defense, he could make a real impact. And so there's just a lot of variables there that are different between the way the teams do it and the way the media does it. And as long as you have that awareness, I think you can enjoy both of those things, but comparing them gets really, really muddy sometimes. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Luke Easterling. You can find his work at the Bucks Wire, at the Draft Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Luke Easterling. Luke, I really do appreciate it, man. I can't wait to talk to you again. Hey, it's always a good time, man. I know we could do this for another hour and, and, and have a good time. Absolutely, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that's another edition of Gene Therapy. I'm Coach Gene Clemens, CWN Sports. Thank you, as always, for being there to, to, to put up with the musings. Um, make sure that you follow the, the, the pod. Make sure that you read the articles there. And until next time, you all stay blessed.